You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. I never heard the term co-parenting until I was going through my divorce. Up until that point of my awareness at all, but what I learned through the course of going through this divorce is that co-parenting really describes what we should all be striving for in our houses. In the world of divorced parents, basically it means that both parents continue to be a presence in their child's life. Both parents are seeing and interacting with the child on a regular basis, and both parents continue to be involved in decision-making for the child. And the co implies that there is some cooperation in that process. What it made me think about working on this all these years since the divorce and co-parenting through them was the ways in which I didn't necessarily do this when I was still married. And honestly, I think that if I had adopted some of these strategies, and he had too, that that would have improved frankly, our whole relationship and would have been helpful to our children, even as we were living in the same home. Yes, I have the same experience. Hindsight is a great teacher. And I can look back over my 25 years of marriage and I see that I held this notion that I, as the mom, know best. He's doing it wrong. I'm doing it right. And this led me to a topic that I speak on often, and that is fathering and mothering our sons, two very different tasks. And I really want to touch on that today. I think it's very important in the co-parenting, divorced, same household, whatever, that we really look at mothers have specific tasks were designed a certain way, and fathers have a specific task and approach to parenting. And as moms, if we're expecting dad to parent the same way we do, well, that's not going to go down very well with dads. I gave a talk this spring that I really emphasized the importance of fathers and how dads parent differently. And I had dads coming up to me afterwards with glistening eyes saying, thank you. 
And some of them saying, oh, I wish my wife were here to hear this. We need to give more credit and more responsibility or more acknowledgement to our dads. I want to give a little shout out to same-sex families, because even if both parents are the same gender, they're still totally different and unique human beings who likely have different parenting styles. And similarly, it's important to respect and honor that because each of you brings something very unique to parenting the children. I had that come up in at the end of a talk at a Q&A and I had a lesbian couple. They, one of the women stood up and said, I can give everything to my son that he needs. Are you saying that I can't? And I was a little speechless. I have to say I had a moment of just like, uh, uh, because I do feel like boys need men in their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether it's uncle, grandfather, teacher, coach, whomever, boys need men in their lives. So I'm standing there kind of speechless. My brain is worrying and a hand goes up behind these two women and it's a man. And I called on him and he said, you know, actually I can speak to that because I was raised by two moms and I still needed men. I still needed those guys in my life as guides. So yes, shout out to same-sex couples, absolutely. And this goes to the, it takes a village. We need a team. We cannot, as a nuclear family, raise our sons. We need all the perspectives. Our boys need those other people that they can go to and talk to because there is that time in their growing up years when they're trying to separate from us and they may not like us very much Mm -hmm. and they sure as heck don't want to talk to us, mom or dad, we need to make sure that we have put into place early because you can't start when they're 16 and say, hey, this guy's going to be your new best friend. (laughs) You've got to bring in other people into your children's lives, boys and girls, such as, I mean, for me, I am auntie to so many kids. I love kids. My kids are grown and gone. Yes, I am absolutely there and willing to be that third adult in a child's life. So, you know, we're talking about co-parenting today. And really my best understanding of that is respecting the other parent, respecting and honoring the other parent's contributions. And this enlarges that a little bit. In our parenting, in our raising of boys and girls, we need to respect and honor the contributions of all of those who care for our children. Aunties and uncles bring something very unique. You can't micromanage and you shouldn't micromanage that relationship either. Right. You just want to make sure that you are clear about your own family values Mm -hmm. and the other person might not exactly follow every single one of your values. They may have different opinions, but overarching, are they, you know, are they good people? Do you want your child to be uh, uh, mentored and loved in this closer bonded relationship. Being divorced and co-parenting really taught me because like so many moms, when we were married, 
I mean, let's face it. I was the hands-on mom. I was doing most of the hands-on child care. But beyond that, I did the reading about child development and health and education. And that's partly because I love those things. You know, if you listen to me at all, you know that I'm totally into education and health and I write about those things now. So researching and reading and getting expert opinions and synthesizing all of that, like that is my thing. And I sort of honestly felt like, I mean, who is he to tell me what we should do with these children? Because he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know the latest research. I know what children need. And that was very much my point of view. And when we did separate and divorce, this whole idea that we should share equal joint decision-making for these children, his opinion matters as much as mine on education and healthcare. Are you kidding me? He doesn't know anything about that. And that's honestly what I thought. I'm not proud of that now. Caveat for just a second here. Um, Different states have different rules and laws that affect parents and children in case of a divorce. Wisconsin is one of the states that has a presumption towards what they call shared parenting, which means that when a couple separates, the starting point is that kids will have and spend time with both parents and both parents will continue to have equal say in those decisions. At the time, I didn't think that was fair, but that was my life, right? And so so we had to live that. And so what that meant for me was that I could not micromanage right? When the kids are at their dad's house, I have zero say in when they go to bed. None. I can talk to him about it. I can share information, but I can't make him do anything. I have zero say about what activities he takes them to. I have zero say in what kinds of foods he feeds them. And Janet, guess what I found out? my kids are fine. The one thing that I I have had to remind myself over and over, because like every mother in the world, I get nervous about things. He is the one other person on the planet who loves these kids as much as I do. And whether or not we still get along, he loves these children as much as I do. And he's going to parent them as a dad parents them. And over the course of all these podcasts that we've recorded thus far, you have mentioned many times the insights that your children's dad has brought Mm -hmm. to your understanding of your boys. Yep. And that is so valuable when we can stop talking long enough to listen And I think to your point about, you know, mom knows everything and she reads the books and, and listens to the podcasts. And we, again and again, I have to remind my clients that, you know, your husband does not necessarily, your husband, your children's dad, who a parenting partner, whatever you want to call that other person, he or she may not learn the way you do. So if you think, oh yeah, let's take this online class or let's go hear Janet or Jen speak, he may not be into that. And he may, he may, you may be able to drag him along, but. And I still think you should try playing this podcast out loud for him. I mean, definitely. That's just good sound advice. Right, right. Live stream (laughs) through all the speakers in your house and, you know, actually channel it into the bathroom. That might be the ticket. But there we go. That's we another digress. show altogether. We digress. Recognize that he isn't maybe as interested in learning about the topic as you are. 
So don't take it personally that he doesn't want to read the parenting book, that he doesn't want to listen to the podcast and know that part of your teaching is modeling what you're learning rather than pounding it into him, making him feel like he's wrong and he doesn't know what he's doing. Which causes a lot of of dad's parenting partners to withdraw. When you get that constant, whether it's verbal or nonverbal feeling that you're doing it wrong, at a certain point, you just say, screw it. Yep. I'm out. Fine. You can do your own thing and let the other person handle it. Which so, worsens that dynamic and creates resentment. And this is the thing that I've also learned through being divorced. When we talk about co-parenting, it's good for the kids and the parents. Because if you learn to trust and let go of some things and let that other parent handle stuff, you have more time for yourself. Which means self-care, which means you're coming back to the dynamic renewed and refreshed. You know, we haven't talked a lot about self-care on this podcast, but time and time again, when I'm working with the moms that I coach, it comes back to self-care and the revelations that moms tell me how differently they feel when they realize, oh yeah, I need to be rested. I need to take that time in the morning to journal or meditate to set the tone for the day. Then I can enter into the crazy boy Mm -hmm. dynamic with a little more groundedness and a little Mm -hmm. more clarity and a little more sense of humor and playfulness. And that just makes everything go better. And I think this is where dads have it over us often of they are ready to play and they're ready to be present with their children. Not all, of course, we're broad generalizations here, but you know, they're ready to just go in and, you know, have the pillow fight and do the wrestling. And our kids need that playfulness. It doesn't all have to be serious. You know, an example that I, I returned to from when I was married to when I was divorced, my then husband uh, played softball in a rec league. And so the, the games would be at like six, seven, eight, or nine at night, you know, depending when they were um, scheduled that week. And games aren't far from home. Uh, and so, you know, baseball game lasts about an hour and then people, you know, hang out and this is Wisconsin. So people hang out and drink beer and kids, there's a woods in the back. The kids run around in the woods and they look for the, the softballs that, cause if you bring in a softball and take it to the concession stand, you get, you know, free piece of candy. And so it's everything that kids love. Right. But when our kids were little and he'd want to take the kids to the game, I was all stressed out about bedtime. We need to start this bedtime routine by seven because they have to be in bed by eight. And you're talking about getting them home at 10. And so this was a point of conflict. I started loosening up on it while we were still married. Again, being divorced really forces you to let go because you can't control that. But what I came to realize is that it is and was so important to their development. Number one, they were there with their dad. They were seeing their dad, an adult with responsibilities, children, a job, prioritizing something for him, something that he enjoyed. That's an important life lesson. Used to drive me crazy when I was being way too controlling. This kind of benign neglect 
you know, he couldn't supervise the kids directly while he's playing a softball game, but it's a very controlled area. There's all kinds of adults around. The kids watch each other, them running around and playing in the woods. That's exactly what kids need. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. gave them chances to forge relationships. He played on a team with some cousins, so they got to know other people. And so I started realizing the benefits of that. And that's yeah. something uh, I challenge any moms that are listening to think of just you know one situation start with one that's been very challenging for you where you're really holding on and try and let go and cede some of that control and then you know look and watch and see what kinds of benefits and how this might be benefiting your children and in this case once i got uh you know a little bit more comfortable with it he took the kids out of the house on a weekday night guess what that Yay. meant yes. i had some time exactly right. Right. And this speaks to the, uh, call it male alliances, if that would fit here, is this idea of your boy is aligned with his dad, whether his dad is present or not. He is aligned with his dad on a cellular soul level. And so you as mom, need to do everything in your power to support that alliance. Any criticism, even if it's just the roll of the eyes or the tisk of the tongue, mm-hmm. it is your son is watching you, he's listening, he's taking that in, and he is perceiving that as a criticism of him. So any words against dad save it for your girlfriends, write it in your journal. Do Talk privately with dad, but do not have those conversations in front of your kid. And if you have, guess what? We all have. These are the ideals that we should be striving for and working towards. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked with Warren Farrell about the boy crisis. One of the things that we talked about, I brought up, was in his book, he talked about these four must-dos for divorced parents. And my argument at the time was, come on, Warren, these are kind of unrealistic. Because one of them is continued consistent couples counseling. And I just do not see a lot of divorced parents uh, making that happen. However, the idea is that you've got this consistent... Uh, time set aside to work through things in a productive manner with help if needed. That's a great ideal for parents divorced or married. One of the other, one of his other four must-dos was what you just said. There's no bad mouthing. Kids pick up on that. Another way that being divorced has has taught me this. One of the principles of co-parenting and shared parenting that you learn is you really need to focus on and put your children's well-being above your interest, which sounds like what we should all be doing as parents anyway, right? But sometimes we get caught up in our own anger and irritation. So the for instances that are often given, you know, if it is your day and the other parent says, hey, I got some free tickets to the baseball game. Do you mind if I take? Say yes, yes. if you can. Mm-hmm. And Again, I think that applies if you are married still to your partner as well. Try and facilitate what the other parent wants to do with your children as often as possible. 
don't put up unnecessary obstacles. I want to tell you a little story about this idea of this separation that needs to happen, the alliance that needs to be built, and the place that moms have to step back. I got a phone call one day from a a mom and she was in a panic. Her son was having to go to the hospital for an overnight procedure. He was about eight. Only one parent could stay with the child. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's Try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. Overnight at the hospital. So she called me and said, you know, I, I need to be there with him. I need to be with my boy. And I said, well, what does he want? And she said, he wants his dad. So then dad needs to stay with him. It's these little places along the way that mom needs to be very attuned to and listening to. In that case, that mom was putting her big, huge mom heart ahead of 
the boy needs his dad. He's asking for his dad. He needs that kind of strength or whatever that connection is with his dad for that event. She needs to back off and listen. And it's so hard because we are so connected to our children, but we have to, from day one, look for the opportunities to let him go stretch out that umbilical cord, let him move towards men. That is primary to his development. Yes, he needs you, all your unconditional love, but he needs that time with other men and boys. Here was a test of our co-parenting very early on. Like we were not divorced yet. We were working through this process. Custody was an issue, you know, lawyers, court stuff, all of that. And our second son, he had been sick the day before, uh, you know, throwing up fever, all, you know, kid stuff. Right. And that next morning he woke up and he came in my room and he had looked better. Something about the way he was moving and standing, you know, mom flag intuition. And this child's mom happens to be a former nurse. So when, when my mom flag goes off, it's not, it's also the nurse flag. And I'm thinking, huh, appendicitis. And I'm getting out my nursing textbook, literally looking up, you know, appendicitis. And at that point I realized I should probably just take him in and get him looked at. So I did. Um, we ended up in an ER I called his dad. His dad was there too. It turned out it was appendicitis. We're making plans to take him into surgery. And get this, we were supposed to be in court that day to you know, work on this custody hearing. And uh, you know, we, we, obviously, we can't do that. Our child is in the hospital about to go into surgery. So from the ER, we were calling the court saying, we can't be there. And I, Tyler, I hate to say that your appendicitis was a good thing, but in a way that was a good experience for both of us, because even though we were in the middle of this, we were, had this very dynamic and obvious, for instance, that we are able to put our stuff aside enough because our kid is in the hospital about to go mm-hmm. into surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And we did cooperatively figure out who was staying with him that night, by the way. Good. It was me in that, for instance, but that was mutually agreed upon because his dad uh, agreed he would take the younger kids and be with them, and, and I stayed with Ty, and it just it worked. Yeah, you know, none of this is easy. It's not easy whether you're married. It's definitely not easy when you're divorced because let's face it, there's a reason why you're divorced. Mm-hmm. Well, if- and some moms were never married to begin with. And exactly. I want to give a shout out to 30% of children are born to unmarried women and more than 50% of children will spend time in a single mom household. So shout out to all those moms who chose the path of being a single mom or didn't choose it, but they are. Again, it's just the emphasis and the imploring of you have got to find a tribe for yourself and for your son. And I think- not go it alone. Especially for single moms. It is so important to tell you that just because you are single- It does not mean your son is doomed. I see so many articles that kind of conflate divorce 
with father absence and we know how important fathers are for boys. So therefore, if you're divorced, dad's not around, your kid's going to be just a terrible person and likely to go to jail and all these other things. There are so many of us today who, even if we are not with the other parent, that doesn't mean the other parent's not involved. So whatever you can do to facilitate that involvement just makes things better for you, for your son, for everybody. And frankly, even if the dad isn't involved for whatever reason, if he can't be involved due to his own struggles, that might be in your son's best interest Mm -hmm. at that point in time. So co-parenting, whether you are under the same roof or not, involves compromise and conversation and holding your child's best interest as top priority above your own. I do believe that your children are watching you. And so the more willing you are to engage in difficult conversations, in being willing to adjust your expectations a little bit, like Jen has been telling us stories about, that co-parenting is going to go much better. In the end, we all want it to benefit our children. And Mm -hmm. it does require us to do some hard stuff and set ourselves aside. Every co-parenting relationship is unique with its own strengths and challenges. So for perspective, we reached out to our friend, Brandy Wikely, host of the New Family Podcast and a divorced mom of two boys. Brandy, what has co-parenting as a divorced parent taught you about cooperative parenting, about how two parents can work together for the good of the children? I think the most interesting thing about what it has taught me is that perhaps we should all be considering ourselves co-parents, even when we're in a romantic relationship with one another. I don't know if when we embark on that new stage of our relationship with a spouse, we really do give that enough consideration. And that if we maybe did frame ourselves as, oh, how's our co-parenting relationship going? Uh, and, And see it through that lens, we might be able to take care of that aspect of things and maybe keep it from bubbling up as a source of of conflict. I think we go in with some sense that we might have some differences of opinion on various aspects of parenting style. We have no way really of predicting what those will be like when you start out as a parent. But if I think we talked about ourselves as co-parents and we talked about uh, co-parenting to expectant um, parents and intended parents, then um, we might be a little bit better prepared for seeing that part of our relationship is something we have to negotiate around or find give and take within. I know every family is different, but generally speaking, it seems like in a lot of families, mom kind of assumes that, come on, I, I know what's best and what we need to do. And the question is, how can I get dad to do what I think he really should be doing with these children? How can we as moms shift our thinking to better incorporate and respect dad's contributions to parenting? I think that's a really critical question. And I've often said that I think that um, women are, are shooting ourselves in, in the feet when we do what's often referred to as maternal gatekeeping. Mm. And we can, and it stemmed a little bit from the fact that 
we might be embedded in the idea of, of girls growing up to be women who become moms. That's a little bit embedded in the way we are socialized to play with our baby dolls. With Maybe we have uh, babysat more than our, our husbands have. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe right at the beginning, we think we're better at z- snapping up the sleeper. And in our... Um, sleep-deprived haze will swat dad out of the way. Like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. The fumbling for a few extra seconds over snaps when those are complicated for anybody. Yes. Um, I think it starts to, it starts right there with us sort of saying, you know, you're the, I'm the primary parent and you're the stand-in parent. So if we really go and give that some thoughts, some reframing, I think we'll realize that that really is what's in our values. So have a look at what, where that's coming from. It's coming from maybe you, you you have a smidge more experience, but maybe you also feel like it's important you demonstrate that experience because of various messages you've internalized along the way. But if you also hold the feminist and values that um, your individual career aspirations and all those types of things should also hold equal weight, then it just doesn't make any sense for you to be do that gatekeeping and kind of operate from an assumption of dad's got to come along with with my point of view. So if you create that kind of equality, I think that you'll be better off on all kinds of aspects of the relationship. And the thing is, when you carry that burden, that kind of like, if you take it on yourself, you, you cultivate a dynamic in the relationship that I'm do- going to do the emotional labor. Ah. And so I'm going to do the thinking, I'm going to do the remembering that it's, I have to get a birthday gift and, um, I'm going to do the signing up for, uh, extracurriculars and so on. And you have then said to your spouse that this is my work mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to take it on. So why would that person, he, if it's a male spouse, why would they dig in there? Now, one of the things that I think may be a silver lining to the fact that I am divorced and that happened when my kids were relatively young at age five and one is their dad has always been as fully as hands-on as me. That was the case before we were divorced and, and after, but there's no assumption that I'm going to do more. There might be areas of strength that are more mine and food and, and certain aspects of that kind of thing that might come slightly easier to me, maybe planning a birthday party, but he's more on top of extra extracurriculars than I am. He's just as likely as me to send in it. In fact, maybe more likely to send the email that says, this is all the places the kids have to be this week. So, And that's a long email. It is a long email, right? So if we're willing to kind of see the importance of allowing that person to have that power over, uh, you know, the parenting decisions and to be an equal partner in there, we'll also be able to not be shouldering as much of the, the burden, which leaves us more capacity to take care of ourselves and be good moms. Win, win, win. Yeah. I believe you have a webinar, um, how to co-parent well through separation, divorce, and beyond. What are some of the tips that you include in there that we could share to give people a, a legs up? One of the things that that webinar does, and I co-created that with a stellar family lawyer turned mediator, Rosanna Brightman. So it brings my parenting journalism and parenting, co-parenting in the trenches with the kind of family law expertise. And one of the things that Rosanna brings forward right from the beginning is that, of course, you're going to have conflict. It's not about 
whether there's no conflict-free relationship, whether you're in or out of a romantic relationship, right? It's about how you're going to handle that conflict. So if you can kind of maybe realize that from the beginning and not catastrophize if you are in fact disagreeing on which uh, school the kids should go into, that it's how we reframe things, that uh, how we frame our our approach to it that, that makes the big difference. Now, of course, I hope it goes without saying, but I don't think it does, um, that just a golden rule of co-parenting has to be that you have no negative talk about the other parent in front of your children, because it's just, that is what is going to be the thing that would have a, uh, a lasting effect on your kids. The best research on divorce shows there's really not the, the divorce itself, that long-term, the 30-year research mm-hmm, shows. Mm-hmm not the divorce itself, it's how the parents handle this. So these kids are resilient, they're smart, they're just as likely to get in a good relationship and stay in it as anybody else in the population. Whether there was conflict, whether they were allowed the freedom to kind of um, have that loyalty to both parents, whether they weren't put in the conflict situation to try to decide where they should put their loyalties, that's a key, key thing. Being able to rise above whatever is feel that you are on the defensive. Keeping kids out of the middle is is important. And uh if, if you have time for me to add one other thing, I think what makes that possible is taking care of ourselves in the healing from a separation and divorce so that you have a, a two-track process. I really like to talk about this two-track kind of thing that goes on. You need a process, whether it's with a therapist or understanding mature friends, um, for talking through, working through your own hurts and anger and so on. So that you can absolutely separate that from the conversations that go on with your mediator when you're trying to decide your co-parenting plan and your uh, shared custody and work out your financial plan so that you can keep a level head and not bring your hurt and anger to that. So if you have those two tracks, then you'll be able to function really well on this one end without bringing your hurt and the messy stuff into that and be able to make clear-headed decisions about the kids. So much of this for me, I learned on my own journey, is learning to be okay with not perfect. There is not going to be the perfect choice for your child's education or healthcare or extracurriculars, and that's okay. Absolutely. If there was only one thing you could just go, oh, can I just open up the file folder and, and pull out the what's the perfect mix right. of everything? There isn't. There, Of course, it doesn't exist. There's only kind of what is working Right now for our family, is it too much or we dropped something or we tried French immersion and now it's after a few years, it's not working. We change our minds. So you don't have to chisel these decisions in stone. And there's no one kind of thing that you're going to decide on, violin or swimming lessons or, or whatever it is that's going to kind of make whether your kid goes off to Harvard or is happy or successful, <laughs> whatever that looks like for them. It would be so much easier if you could just get the piece of paper. Here's what you need to do to help your child be successful. Check, check, check. And we're done. But it does not work that way. Alas, no. (laughs) I have to say, your kid, awesome. I saw him peek in the office door. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. He peeked in the office. And he knows mom's doing her thing. And he just backed on out. Yeah, yeah, he does know that. And I just spied him on the skateboard out on the street, just out this window beyond me that you can't see. So I was just checking in on what's happening. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. It's always fun to talk about these things. That's Brandy Wikely, mom of two boys, editor and publisher of The New Family, and host of The New Family podcast. 
Thanks for joining us. You can find the show notes for this episode at onboyspodcast.com. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, please share this podcast with your friends and even your community groups and schools will benefit from knowing about this resource. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.